Welcome to Cortado O'Clock with Alex Stroll. A chance for you to meet your favorite creatives from the adventure photography world, leaving you inspired and confident to advance your photography. Join Alex for episode number one as he talks with Benjamin Hardman, an Australian freelance landscape photographer based in Iceland. Benjamin's unique style often focuses on the North's most obscure landscapes, the barren, cold, and volatile environments that are inhabited by colossal ice structures, carved volcanic mountains, and resilient wildlife. He divides his time between a range of photographic assignments, guiding, and solo exploration, while utilizing social media as a platform to share his experiences and perspectives on life and nature in the North. His wide-ranging client list includes brands such as DJI, Land Rover, and National Geographic. Alex sat down with Benjamin after wrapping on a seven-day excursion in Iceland, spent filming Ben's online photography course, the photographic style and aesthetic workshop. Have a set of about 12 questions for you. All right. Then. Yeah. Some easy ones, some harder ones, but mostly good fun. All so, right. So, before I dive into it, I just want to say that it's been really inspiring watching you work for the past six days now. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's always a blast when I come to Iceland to just connect with you because I know I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to go to the right places, have the right food, and have the right Cortados. <laughs> Oi, that's important. That. Very important. <laughs> We've been fuel, fueled by Cortados pretty much. Thanks again for a good time. On the photography side, I've seen you pretty much build us on itinerary that has just worked and has delivered really epic and amazing work that looks really true to you. And I'm wondering, you know, besides how you built those, essentially how do you draw or where do you draw your inspiration from? Mm. Interesting question. Yeah, Interesting. let's start. Where do I draw my inspiration from? Yeah. It's a lot about the seasons. And like we're talking about Iceland, because that's what's you know really relevant for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I draw my inspiration, especially for where I'm gonna shoot, from the weather and the current conditions and places that I know have a specific look that I want to attain in a photograph, or otherwise, you know, a place where I really want to reach or climb or some some sort of experience will always drive the photography. So experience first, and then we have this photography of that place. That's kind of how it works for me in most cases, unless of course I hear that there's some crazy condition somewhere, then I'm probably just gonna send it for the purpose of getting that shot because I'm excited for it. So it's, it's experience driven? Yeah, usually it is, yeah. Okay, when you're at home and you're like, all right, I feel like I don't need to go shoot. Does it, does it go like that? Do you feel like, like that sometimes? Or I usually more feel like, like it's crazy conditions, I should go shoot. I feel like normally it's like I set a goal or a target location. Like this weekend, I want to send it to this specific location and see what I can create out of that. Oh, okay. And so. it's more just because I'm, I'm really fueled by traveling in the mountains here. And over the last couple of years, yeah, I think it's like fairly it's obvious. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. No, so that, that's kind of usually what drives me. So I'll designate a period of time, like maybe it's a weekend. So you and I'll be like, I know that I'm going to go somewhere this weekend. And I'm like, well, that area, I haven't been for a while. I wonder what's changed. Let's try and get there. And I don't know usually if I'm going to get good photos even. I just usually know that there's a place I want to reach. So there's no pressure. Yeah. 
I don't really like to put that pressure Unless on myself. Unless it's a shoot or whatever, but if it's just for you. Yeah. Okay, and how often do you do that? I'm going whenever I can. And that can be like every week. That can be usually one proper mission a week. Um, unless, of course, I'm traveling. Yeah. And do you go through phases where you just don't feel like shooting? I think I go through phases more so where I want to focus on editing shoots that I've already you know, accomplished or finished up with. So for me, like because my edits are really intensive sometimes and require a lot of brain power to think how I want the final product to be. Maybe I will do five shoots and have them kind of stocked up and then I need to kind of put the traveling aside for a minute and the experiences to kind of go into the edit phase. Okay. And that's like a different headspace for me and something I'm really passionate about. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to just go into it. Yeah. This is really interesting. So curious, personally curious, because Sometimes I feel like when I shoot something, I got to go edit it because mm -hmm. otherwise in two weeks, I struggle finding the courage. Yeah, sometimes I have some old photos I have never looked at. How would I find the inspiration to go send them? I think use that period of time where, you know, you, you've taken that photo and then it seems to be like you haven't had this instant connection. You want to go back to it. Mm -hmm. Try and take a few days to reflect on that moment when you shot it and try and build kind of a vision of, the experience you had when you were there and so, some things you noticed. So it's like the prep almost yeah. for editing. Yeah. So it's you know like, you're this on X day and then you're, you're just trying to go back to that moment and just... Yeah, just have a think about the things you found like to be profound about whatever you were doing at the time, if there was something. Maybe there isn't something. And, and you know, this is when I'll use my type of editing to really build a story and enhance something that maybe didn't have the flavor when I was actually out there. That That's what happens. You do well. yeah, like, you do that well. Sometimes I just need to build that. Well, I, you can see that it's solid. I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I have the patience to do that. To watch, watch the workshop. <laughs> patience workshop. Yeah. <laughs> Understand that editing and shooting for you is a different mindset. Mm. And has there ever been a time when shooting it hasn't felt right to shoot? Have you faced a creative block, pretty much, of editing or shooting? I faced a few creative blocks. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's been some. There's been some times where um, I haven't allowed myself the opportunity to balance um, commercial shoots. You know, the the nitty gritty side of of what I do. You know, shooting fashion and, and products out you in do, the nature, yeah. which I do quite a lot. Yeah, we just don't see it on Instagram, um, but you do. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of things I do outside of my public face, I guess. Um, so fashion. Fashion. Yeah. You know, product photography, I do a lot of that. Um, even some consulting. Oh, yeah. Right. On like social media, because oh. we have a lot of companies here that are really trying to yeah, you know, stand get out. started. Yeah, it's big. Okay. So, you know, these things can become the nitty gritty side of what I do. And sometimes the personal experiences out in the mountains, the reason I moved here can get pushed to the side. And you during like, yeah, I'm just caught up trying to get by kind of. Mm. And in those times, yeah, I've struggled a lot with creativity. How did you get past them? Yeah, to get past them, I have to create this uh, this little bit of uh, additional time um, to do these personal trips. So even if it's one day, if I do six days of of like intensive work, mm -hmm. taking one day to go into the mountains usually, you know, brings me back. It resets my mind. So building the personal time is your solution. Yeah.
yeah and then you know like in my in my previous career in accounting um you know i i really get a lot of satisfaction out of that job like you know being so organized it was like the proper level of organization but um i needed the weekend to reset my mind and that it's kind of this thing has played through out in my life like it's always been there this reset your balance like any personal time i'm just gonna go in because you feel like you recharge yeah Okay. And now for me, it just happens that the personal time is also shooting, which is cool. It's just shooting like, so yeah. Useful stuff. Now, going back to editing, um, I know, and I'm sure a lot of people know that you don't use presets. Mm. If you didn't know, this is bombshell. <laughs> the man doesn't use presets. So I think it's really interesting nowadays because a lot of people are selling presets and there's a whole economy around it. And besides that, it's also a way that people use to just have their photos look like somebody else that's really fast, but also a good way to save time. Mm. I personally use presets just be just as a way to start an edit. I have yeah. a set of presets that I've shown in past workshops and I use them as a base and then I kind of tweak it. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you use presets? So I guess it's a different approach to editing. It's like like the way that I approach it is as cliche as it sounds like you have a canvas and an artist can't get a preset bucket and throw it onto a canvas and then start their work. Like maybe they can use, a, they can trace a template, right? And then start, you know, from there to draw. Um, and that that template is my vision. So I have this vision already in my mind, I have the template there, but I couldn't apply an edit from another photo onto, you know, the photo that I'm now giving my 100% you know, energy towards. Even if it was the same conditions, both white out in the snow? Yeah, because I want to have like, the thing is you're going to click the preset in that circumstance and then adjust to bring it back to how your eye sees it. So for me, I simply would rather just take an additional two minutes to just do the sliders mm -hmm. and really, because every time you slide that slider, <laughs> slide, 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 slide. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're analyzing. You're, you're working out, your mind is processing why you're doing that. So if you, for me, if I skip that step, then I'm missing like a crucial element of the edit. Well, okay. This is interesting because you're saying that it's a canvas. So for you, editing is almost like beginning to take the photo again. Kind of. And uh, yeah, that's an interesting way to put okay. it. Yeah. Because I'm using like the, the technology mm -hmm. to sculpt and even like reimagine the composition. Like I'm changing the way that the light interacts with the subject, kind of. So you're like a, a photography alpinist. <laughs> you know, when you get to the top of a mountain, usually you say, when you get to the top, you're only 50% up, you know, because mm -hmm. you got to go down. That's true. So then this is the same way. Like when you shoot the photo, you're only 50% done. When most people, they shoot the photo, they're 90% done. Editing's 10%. So you have a different ratio there. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But moving on from presets, when I look at your work, I see black, I see white, and I see this blue-green that you've developed. So does it have a name first, that color? Did you name it? Just, this, did you, how did hmm. you come up with that? A name? Never oh. thought about naming it. The Hardman Blue. <laughs> there we go. Hard Blue. <laughs> no, but how did you come up with that color? It's a good question. I think it all stems from my, um, I, I really don't want to use this word, but hatred for magenta. Okay. It has no magenta. It's green. Blue. I just, I've never really liked that pink tinge. And 
when I look back at my old photos, I can see it straight away. And whenever I, whenever I'm, you know, working with someone, you know, on a one-to-one -one basis, helping them edit, this tinge usually is there. They've never seen it before. As soon as they slide it away, they go, whoa. They go like before and after, and it's just there. It's just taking over the entire frame. Like, I feel like it's something that's really hard for the eye to pick up on, but once you see it, the magenta, you, you can't unsee it. The magenta like. tint, yeah. you mean? Yeah. So you mean like... It's strange, I think. It's kind of when you see it, you're, you're screwed. It's like when, when you have a cortado, you're screwed. You can't have another <laughs> yeah. one. Okay. I think that, that was the basis upon getting towards this color that I use okay. now. So we kind of started with a dislike, a strong dislike. <laughs> there we go, a strong dislike. <laughs> Not an affinity, okay. But of course, there's times where that color is needed. And so long as it has a purpose, then I'm happy to use it. But it's when there's no purpose for that color, when it just like, when doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, in conditions where, you know, we're dealing with winter in Iceland, unless we're looking at a pale Arctic sky, where that color is present, it's usually not a color that we actually would see. Like blue, that that is, you know, the blue hour. That's that's naturally there in the time that I'm shooting. There's never this like pink tinge in the landscape in that time of shooting. Because you don't shoot that much sunset. Exactly. Okay. Here we go. We have uncovered, we've unlocked it. No sunsets. There if somebody shoots sunset, you wouldn't encourage them to remove that magenta, for example, because no. it was there. Yeah. Because okay. it was there. There's okay. a purpose for it to exist then. So then, like you said, editing, it's kind of like reverse engineered. I don't have magenta in my photos because I don't shoot conditions where magenta is there. Yeah. And if it's there, you make sure to nuke it. <laughs> nuke that guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I think that sells it. Okay. <laughs> so it doesn't have a name. <laughs> um, <laughs> you talk about isolating your subject a lot with like symmetrical compositions. When you edit, is that, do you keep that in mind too? Like you isolate on camera and then you move to the computer. Do you still keep that same mindset in there that I need to continue to isolate my subject further? When I move to the edit, it's about amplifying or increasing negative space to in turn further bring the eye to the subject. Okay. So yeah. negative space is a huge part of my editing. Why? Why is, why is it important to you to isolate your subjects? I feel like as a human, I need negative space in order to stay calm. I don't know. Th this is like a, a very like emotion-based thing for me that I need to remove distraction and create calmness. And I feel like it's reflected in my personality and this like chaotic side of my life in playing in hardcore bands and then moving to a country that really is extreme. I feel like those two things are a similar kind of outlet for me. It's this like extreme side. And then I get a lot of my like kind of zen and calm from those editing scenarios where I'm, you know, looking at my image and bringing some peace into that. And that is negative space, isolating the subject. You're like Iceland in a way. Like you can have very soft light and you can have raging gale force winds in yeah. the same place. Yeah. Uh, is it important to you that the image you shoot and then you, that you edit after looks like how it was there when you were there? Or do you try to stay true to what you saw or is it not, not relevant to you? It's of course relevant, definitely. But what I'm most concerned about is bringing to life the vision or the specific thing that I have uh, been captured by when I'm out there shooting. So the, the example that came to mind is 
have this image um, of this triangular shaped piece of light that was hitting this mountain peak in Svalbard. And the way that I edited that photo was to darken it quite a lot. And if I think back about that moment, I literally can only vision, like envision in my mind, the triangle of light. That's literally, it was way off in the mountains, but it was all I was looking at. So I'm not so concerned about keeping it true to exactly what the camera saw when it clicked the button, but I want to bring out my vision of what I remember of that scene. And that requires some manipulation of the image to enhance that perspective or enhance that element of a photo. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's, <clears throat> so you have more like tunnel vision in that condition and yeah, I'm just seeing this and this is what I'm, okay. So you almost know the edit when you're shooting it, you know how it's going to be edited. Yeah, visualization, I think. And it's, it's because I'm quite far into this process, it's happening really fast and subconsciously. You've done it a lot, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, easy one on editing. And how, how much time do you spend on an image? Well, it seems like, based on this workshop, about 18 minutes and 30 seconds every time, somehow, miraculously. <laughs> okay. No, no, it can be like, it can be 15 minutes or it can be two hours. It's just whatever it takes for me to get to that point as a, like, about this vision, like bring, amplifying it and bringing it to life in the image. The thing that really resonated with me about that scene, I'm happy to take as long as I need to get there. Okay. And how do you know when to stop? Tough question. Because I really, like, I struggle to stop. It's really hard for me because I feel like the more... Uh, layers you kind of peel off of this and the deeper you go or the more layers you add in the case of Photoshop, for example, it's hard to call it quits. You can ends. always like critique it or change it in a way. Yeah, it's like a painting. Yeah. yeah. So any rules that you develop or? My rules are like, okay, I get to a place that I'm happy and I'll export it. And then I'll review it and I'll take a minute. And it doesn't have to be this cliche, like come back to it the next day or like next week. Like yeah. it can be just a few minutes to kind of reset your eyes, reset your mind. Your eyes, yeah. Then look at it on your phone, for example, and analyze the differences. And then maybe like now your mind's focused on something else. Like, oh, the sky needs a little bit more darkening or like this tiny bit like magenta or something, yeah. I don't know, for example. <laughs> so then like then your mind is instantly cut off from the 50 other things you did and now focused on a new, really minute set of variables that need to be adjusted. And I feel I feel like maybe after 10 cycles of exporting, if you look at my phone history in the camera roll, it's like 15. You can see when I've posted a photo because there's like this group of the same shot. I've seen you rage edit stuff. Yeah. <laughs> on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Literally. Do you have any other rituals that you use to get in the mood? Because it seems like it's a big part of, it's 50% of your process, the edit. So mm -hmm. any, any rituals that you have to get in? I mean, there's the, the occasional Wim Hof. Oh, mm -hmm. Wim Hof mm -hmm. breathing techniques? Yeah, yeah. I really like, you know, this cold shower therapy. I've kind of got a, a bit addicted to it. Like, I feel like when I end a, sh a warm shower, I haven't, like, really ended the shower. I need to, until I send the cold. And then, like, but to, to send the cold, you know, if you just do that, it's going to screw you up. Like, you have to be mentally ready. And through the breathing exercises, then, of course, we're not going to go into Wim Hof because it's going to look like a very strange Q&A. But um, <laughs> I, I found that that's kind of given me this, like, real sense of peace. Yeah, so you just that. come back, reset, mm -hmm. edit. And also endurance. Like, I don't get that cold outside ever. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's a bit cold. Um, switching gears again. Mm -hmm. Who are you paying attention to? 
who inspires you in this specific photography space? Mm -hmm. In this space, people that will inspire me, people that are doing different things to me, and people that are, you know, maybe achieving something that is a different avenue to my photography, but, you know, doing well at that, whether it's graphic design. Looking at Christian's work, yeah. for example, Christian Watson. I've, I've taken a lot of inspiration from the way that he's, you know, developed his color schemes, for example, and then applied that into my work and seen how, like, the way he looks at color and, and, you know, translates that to his graphic design. Bring that into my photos and see the comparisons and whether I can kind of achieve those color schemes myself. He's really creative. Uh, okay. He's a great guy. Yeah, Christian. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. someone who... Lately, I've just been absolutely just awestruck, like leaves me speechless to see and gives me chills is uh, an Icelandic local, Ragnar Axelsson, Rax. Um, I've been, you know, really following his work through his books for many years and he's actually started social media. So it's giving like me a way to, you know, look at his photos easily on my phone and he writes these really intricate stories about what he's doing. He, so basically, Ragnar Axelsson Rax, he is, uh, has, been, has been documenting Iceland through working with newspapers and also in his personal formats through his books for many, many, many years. Like, he's covered all the eruptions. He's covered, document, you know, like... Documentarian, I guess, oh, <laughs> through, through photography, it. yeah. And he does a lot of black and whites. Highly recommend his works. Really awesome. Okay. Jumping into childhood. How has your your life in Australia shaped your, your style and sort of independence? So from a very early age, I've always had this sense of independence and it's helped me to trust my inner voice a little bit as I've grown. That's been combined with this interest in kind of outdoor activities in, in the bush of Australia, kind of with motorbikes and whatever. I think combining those things, like the independence and the sense of like outdoor activity that I used to do. And it's kind of strange because like now I'm surrounded by people like yourself who, you know, have grown up skiing and grown up, you know, hiking in the mountains and stuff. I've never had a mountain, never had snow, I never had skis. Like I couldn't do the things that I want to achieve now back in my childhood. Yeah, that's, it's been really interesting. It's been a, a journey of learning, like as more of like a adult of these things that my friends that my you know I'm surrounded by learned when they were kids. Even language. It so that's kind fair, of yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to go on that journey. It is exciting because you get to start from scratch, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's just fun. Yeah. I like it. How does one go from playing in a hardcore band called Blackout to someone who's making this really white, pure snowy images? Hmm. Blackout whiteout. It's a new band. <laughs> I think it ties back to this sense that, you know, I feel like I am a, quite a calm person and the music was my outlet. It was something that was just this natural, like, opposing force that I was just, like, putting everything into back in the day. And Iceland became that for me. So it's kind of like this pursuit of being in the craziest conditions, similar to being on stage playing this crazy music, but bringing something calm out of that situation, and now it's in the form of an image. Bring that sense of zen out of that extreme situation, bring that home through my camera. I like it. It's just like your new outlet. Yeah. 
and the stage, the, mu the music stage being the outside, the wind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then your editing session being the final product. Mm -hmm. It's like leaving a, leaving a big show with my band, being super calm. Like I've just like played some riffs, you know, head banged. Mm -hmm. I call it the bang over. <laughs> it's when you wake up and your like neck is completely like crooked because you've been like going too crazy in the show. <laughs> So now I get the, the banger over with my photos. <laughs> the banger over. I wake up thinking, wow, yeah, like that was a crazy day. Your back's sore from, from all like this. <laughs> banger, banger over. All right. You've been in Iceland for three years. Has the Icelandic landscape gotten old? Do you still get excited by it? I feel like the more I live here, the more excited I get. And that's because I'm going further into the mountains and I'm building skills. It's becoming easier for me to be in more extreme locations. The more that I dive into it, the more that I connect, you know, people like my friend Siggy, who has taught me so many valuable skills about being out in those extremes. Uh, the more you go into this, the further you can push and the more interesting or like more unique photos you can create. So it's this like infinite kind of endless journey that I'm on, I think. So you've decided to focus on Iceland and that is just getting bigger and bigger for you. Yeah, it's like now I'm gonna try and photograph other areas that I haven't been able to reach, like big like peninsulas in the north or like mountain ranges that are very remote, like these types of things. How can what what do I need? What tools do I need to make it there? Um, and I'm slowly being able to get closer and closer to. So you're adding this reaching. personal development journey to the photography. Yeah, which is doing new skills. Okay. And of course, like adding in these little. Um, missions across the Arctic to kind of extend my my cold climate photography um, into a greater story of, you know, the entire Arctic region. At least that's one of my goals is to photograph and reveal this curated perspective or something that is close to my heart, which is I really love glaciers and mountains. And there's a lot of issues there to cover. So it's like I'm still building a way in which I can you know, help the Arctic. Still trying, I'm on that journey. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to pan out yet, but I just know that I, I just feel that I need to be there sometimes. So I just go there. When you're driving down the road in Iceland and, you know, it's the end of the day, blue hour and the road is icy, uh, it's just like a beautiful moment. What is playing in your head? How do you find the landscape? How does it make you feel? Oh, in those moments, especially when I'm driving, this combination of these really peaceful pieces of music combined with like the view of, especially on a cloudy day. So you play peaceful music. Yeah, always peaceful or really, really heavy metal. It's kind of either or. On or off. It's just a very like whole experience for me. I feel like it affects my entire being, looking out at the mountains and seeing these interesting things happen. The music affecting my ears and my, like everything is engaged, all the senses are on. Like, and I'm also, I drive a Defender, so I'm cold AF. Yes, yeah. you're inside kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so you just find it pretty relaxing experience. Do you feel like stopping to shoot a photo is gonna break that flow? Um, I feel like it might enhance it. Provided that I can find a good place to stop, always look for a parking spot. Never on the on the main road with your morning lights on. So you don't like that. Yep. yep. Okay. Moving on to more like personal development and style. Uh, two questions. What advice do you have for people 
how can somebody develop their style? Um, by watching the workshop, <laughs> I think there's there's also like we've touched a lot on photography, how you can develop your photography style, mm -hmm. but style and curation come into your life. That's like it's not only that specific area, but I mean, for example, our entire being is filled with color. So you know, if I had to, you know paint my house there'll probably be curation involved in there's got to be a reason why I pick certain colors so and you know the, the clothes that I would pick like color is very no <laughs> probably <laughs> most likely not so style and curation come into your entire being I feel like and the more that you can embrace it without it letting intrude the more that you can kind of refine and understand your photography style I think like it's the more that you can have this as your entire being, the more that's going to be reflected in your work. So you tell people to expand their, their focus, I guess, because if somebody's like, oh, I want to develop a style of photography, you tell them, whoa, 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 well, you get to expand mm -hmm. and listen, you know, get music, different music going, all the things like that. Is that what you yeah. tell them? Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to kind of put this into words, this stuff. <laughs> so, you know, music has been a really big thing for me. And I feel like my way of shooting is enhanced by specific types of music. So by trying and trialing a different, you know, few different genres and um, seeking these external influences in other fields that, you know, have maybe curated colors or something like that, that you can kind of just build this greater picture of, of what you are interested in. And so, what like sparks and resonates with you. So color is a big deal in developing someone's style? I think so. Because what? like you can seek out specific colors in almost any place you travel. And that's of course something that I want everyone to take out of this workshop is that, you know, I focus on Iceland, that's where I live, it's my home. But the advice, you know, that we've got from this workshop can apply to any situation, any place. Yeah, it's just how you how you think. So if you go to the desert, the desert is not going to be your blue. No, but I would love to shoot in the desert. Would be awesome. And how would you tackle that? I would wait for the clouds, and then you can get these, which made me <laughs> three hundred days. Yeah, I have to camp a while. <laughs> okay, so um, you just wait for like softer, softer light, or you know, even create a white sky when it's really pale, like, like maybe at the end or beginning of sunset when you have this like bright burst of light. Yeah, probably enhance that to make the sky just completely white. Yeah. Um, that would be my way is to get these kind of two-toned images. I feel like so long as I can just get two tones, two -tone. I'm happy. No more. Even if it's like magenta and white. Why two tones? I just, I feel like it's a reflection of, of me. This calmness versus this extreme. There's always these like opposing forces that kind of come together to form me. Um, and that's reflected in the way that I like to edit. Do you have advice for people how to stay creative in their field, whatever it might be? What advice would you give somebody who's like, oh, I'm struggling to you know, keep reinventing myself, to keep reinventing myself, to, to kind of remain creative? What would you tell them? I think what, what has worked for me, at least, is to try and pursue these multiple like uh, angles on, on your photography. So try a bunch of different fields of photography. If you're feeling like you're, you're stuck in a creative rut for shooting landscapes, try and access 
some sort of portraiture photography or just try and mix it up. Keep the camera with you, but change up what you're shooting. And maybe that that will provoke some sort of feeling inside of you that can be then translated back to the landscape. I feel like, so that's how I've kind of developed this interest in macro photography. Yeah, that's true. Because I just wanted to apply the compositional elements of shooting a landscape to something that is microscopic almost and see like how that works. So it just, then I can take that back to the landscape and maybe I've learned something new about color or a way of framing or something that. Extra composition, yeah. Yeah, these types of things. Big. Yeah. Okay, so just expand, try something new in your field. Mm -hmm. And then revisit the thing that you were having trouble with. Yeah, I have to go back. Okay. And now last question, what's next for you, whether it's in photography or in life? What's, what's next? What's next for me? I would love to continue my pursuit of moving my knowledge that I've accumulated in Iceland to the Arctic region and continue that journey of understanding the differences in landscape as we move across the different parts of the Arctic. And we'll see how that translates, but maybe that could form a book. That's a little, the, the pages are turning in my mind. Maybe I'll uh, turn them in real life one day. So book, okay. Mm. That's a good project. Mm. Big project. So I feel like you have to, these types of larger passion projects require a lot of time and you have to kind of, at least for me, it, it has to be something that's natural and it all starts with the vision. So I've already been thinking like of ways in which like I could build collections of photos, curate my photos to form a book. So that's something I would love to do. And yeah, just be in the Arctic and, and continue my understanding of Iceland, learn the language more and dive deeper into the thing that has become my home. Exciting stuff. Thanks, Mr. Hardman. Yeah. Chip time. <laughs> no chips. Hey guys, it's Alex Stroll. And today I want to tell you about Strollworks, which is a company I've made to bring you the best in terms of photography education. So the concept was that you can learn photography from photographers you've heard before. So we make very actionable courses on a variety of topics like working with brands, editing, finding your style, storytelling, commercial shoots, and much more. So uh, if you're keen and interested, we would like to meet you. So uh, enroll today at stroll.works. Thank you.